Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. Everybody and welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Sydney, it is occurring to me, Toots. I have no idea what this episode is about. Normally I would say, yeah, I would I would ease it in. I don't think you sent that you've you haven't indicated to me. I shared the I shared the notes with you, but if you look at the title, you'll have no idea. Yeah. Uh, the title does not help you at all. And I thought about that because I title my documents for me, right? For right. me to search, but then I do indeed share them with you. Mm-hmm. Um, we will have to not use the title of my document as the title of this podcast. Okay, I'm seeing it now. Episode. Okay, I have no idea what this is. Would you saying. like to read it? Neural larva migraines. Hey, good job. You pronounced it all right. I don't need that in my life. That energy I bet you could, to me. I bet you could piece, I bet you could kind of piece out like neural. I ne- feel, what is neural related to? I feel to? good enough about myself as a person. I'm a very, like I've achieved a lot with my life. I have two great kids. I don't need your, I have a, I, I have a, 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 a shorty award from 2007 for my Twitter account. I have a regional AP award from the state of Ohio I'm, for business reporting. I don't need it, Sydney. I was a fine, I was a runner up for the National Honor Society. <laughs> I was an alternate for the National Honor Society. I went to college for five years, okay? I know things. I don't need the patronizing. Do you think that it makes you better at college than me, than me, that you went for five years and I only went for four? Was you that a brag? No, was you that a, Was you, that a brag? I'm just saying I had five years of college. Although technically, I guess I did go for eight. Don't, and then if you include residency, that's 11. Why do you 11. have to be like so that? I don't know. Why are you like this? What happened to you? Why are you like this? Just we're equals in we, every way. Just accept that. Just say like, just we, that are, we are equals in every way. We are equals in every way. We don't have the same... Um, what do you think equal means? We no, I, we are equals. We don't have the same knowledge bases. There are lots of things you know about that. I don't know. Any, I don't know anything about video games. Nothing. I don't know anything about video games. That makes me feel so much better. I, well, I don't know anything. I'm, there's lots of technology things I don't know. This is uh, none of this is usable. Obviously, whenever we're you talk again. about technology or internet, this I find it very confusing. none of this is usable. Welcome to Sawbones. I'm Justin. That's Sydney. We've got another great show for you. I bet you could. Okay, neural. That I'm going to try neural. desperately Think about to the not root drag of down. Neural, like neuron. Brain. I know. Ne- there you go. Brains. Brain. Brain. Okay. Larva. You know what a larva is? It's a baby bug. Yeah. And think about migraines, like migraines. Baby migra- bugs that give your brain a headache. Well, well, yeah, but also like migration, migrate, migratory. 
Oh, it's not migraine? Like migraines okay. moving around. Baby bugs moving around your brain. Mm, there you this. go. Look this at sucks. that. I Look wish I didn't that. figure it out. I feel worse now <laughs> that I figured it out. You figured it out. Um, sometimes there are medical maladies, cases that are so rare and so, um, I think part of it is that it's upsetting for people to think about. Mm -hmm. um, it's disturbing. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that they are rare makes them hard to diagnose usually. And so people will, I mean, it's like why House is a show, right? Like right, people present with something weird and, and it's a puzzle and it takes a long time to figure it out. And in the meantime, the person gets sicker and that's scary. And so we made a whole TV show about it, of course, because it's so interesting to people. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Anyway, and it also becomes a focus of media attention when these things happen in real life, right? It becomes kind of sensationalized. And there mm -hmm. was a story like that recently where a, uh, uh, and this is all, like the paper has been published. So if you're interested in this, you can actually read like the the article um, where this case study was presented. I believe it's in Emerging Infectious mm -hmm. Diseases. But anyway, I've, I found it, I was able to read it for free on the internet. That's always very, uh, a wonderful moment when I can read a journal article. Um, I'm subscribed to lots of journals, but I can't be subscribed to every journal. And sometimes there was one article I tried to find on the history of this that would have cost me 635 US dollars to buy the article online. You all and, are always very good to support us during the Maxline <laughs> Drive, but you don't support us that much. I cannot <laughs> purchase a $635 article. Um, I And this is no shade on the people who generate these articles. I know gotta, intimately how difficult that is. Yeah, you got it's um, very specific knowledge, right? So you got to, yes. it's not so like I you're value mass marketing your work. these. Yeah. I just can't afford that to read the article. Um, so this article I was able to access for free, and so you can too. And um, thank you to everyone who puts in the hard work to these incredible articles because then we can do podcasts like this. But this is about a, uh, a woman in Australia who was diagnosed with an incredibly rare case of neural larva migraines. We'll get into like the idea that some sort of parasite could get into your brain mm -hmm. or somewhere else in your body and kind of move around. That's not— good. Well, it's not good, but... <laughs> it's bad to think of. That in and of itself is not, like, brand new. We know this happens. Um, what was what was new about this is that it was caused by a specific worm. Ophthidascaris mm -hmm. uh, robertsi, mm. which is also called the carpet python <laughs> parasite par that's or nematode. Roundworm. That's, that's a good one. Yes. A lot of different species have their own sort of like their own private nematode. <laughs> their own specific. I love that Keanu Reeves movie, <laughs> My Own Private Nematode. There, there are different like, and we'll go into some of them, but there are different species that have like, this is the nematode that generally can live inside this thing. This is a nematode that lives inside um, the carpet python which is a kind of snake, as you may imagine, a python one <laughs> that lives in Australia. And I, I thought it was worth talking about because the thing about, I mean, we think about like what, how in terms of diseases, the way like a virus interacts with your body, right? Like it gets mm -hmm. inside you, but the reason that you get sick is because of what it's doing. Like it's interacting with mm -hmm. stuff in your body. Bacteria interact with stuff in your body. Mm -hmm. What I think is interesting about this specific parasite mm -hmm. is that it's not really interacting with us as much as just like it's it doesn't belong in us and then it gets big and then that damages stuff. Okay. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. 
you just stick like a, I mean, it's not an earthworm, but if you imagine just sticking an earthworm in someone like that, well, that wouldn't be good. Right. Mm -hmm. But not because it, I don't know. It's a different kind of infection. I think it's interesting because it's a different way of thinking about infection than like the flu virus. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So there are several parasites that can cause syndromes like this. And like I said, the, this this specific case that I want to go into first was caused was the first one that we know of. There could have been more that we didn't know of yeah. that was caused by this worm. So it starts in January 2021. Uh, a 64-year-old woman in New South Wales, Australia, went to the hospital and basically had had like this kind of, and when you, if you know much about parasites, this is a very classic sort of course. It starts with GI symptoms, so maybe some abdominal pain, some mm -hmm. diarrhea, maybe a little bit of nausea, lack of appetite, stuff like that. Okay. And then developed after that some respiratory symptoms, a cough and some shortness of breath and, and that kind of thing, okay? This sort of story is not unique to this kind of parasite because there are a lot of times where you eat a parasite, probably through some— <laughs> In isolation— a terrible well, <laughs> sentence. We can all agree there are some times you eat a parasite. Yeah, sometimes you eat a parasite and it gets into your GI. It was like probably in some food. That's a very common route. That's not the only way you get infected with parasites, but like a very common route is it's in a food. If it's not food, I don't know how you ate it. And that troubles me. That I find challenging. Well, maybe dirt. Maybe you ate dirt. That's also a very common way this happens. Okay. So you you eat, something gets in your GI tract. Okay. And then, like, the worms are there or maybe, like, the eggs or the larva or whatever, whatever you have eaten is there. Sometimes you will actually sort of aspirate that up into your lungs. Ooh. Like, you'll cough. Like, it'll regurgitate from your GI tract and get down into your lungs. That's not an uncommon pathway for parasites to take. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I know. That's very unpleasant to think about. Yeah. Don't um, like it. But it's that bad. definitely that definitely happens with other worms. So this is a very classic kind of parasite story. Um, so— GI symptoms, then the respiratory symptoms. She had seen someone, some sort of healthcare provider who had said this seems like a pneumonia that you have going on, which isn't a fair, uh, an unfair thought, right? Like right. a lot of the uh, pneumonias or even like the flu can cause GI and respiratory symptoms. Right. So she was treated with uh, my favorite antibiotic. I expect you know this about me. It's like a, it's like, for me, that's like, what's my favorite color? You know, my favorite color purple okay well what's my favorite antibiotic this is a very important thing to me oh yeah man um i'm so disappointed right now gosh. how could you not know give, give me a letter d give me two letters okay it's doxycycline oh yeah doxy, i love doxy it. that's my favorite antibiotic we all have our own um but do it we? did not it she did, obviously she didn't get better with the doxycycline um it can do a lot of things it can't treat this on this admission, so she comes back to the hospital. She has more workups. So they're like, okay, let's do let's do a little more research to try to figure out what's wrong with you. So they do some blood work, and they notice that a certain kind of white blood cell, her eosinophils, is high. Eosinophils are the kind of cells we see high when you have a parasite. Okay. So again, so we're still, leaning parasite. We're leaning in. We're leaning in this direction, and they do a CAT scan of her chest. So an X-ray gives you some of the information. You do a CAT scan to get a better picture. Mm -hmm. And you see all these little areas of like inflammation or infection. They call them ground glass opacities. It's just the way they look like ground glass and it's an area you can't see through an opacity. It's opaque. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the point is the doctors think about a parasite. So they take a history and everything. She has a remote travel history, but nothing that really points to a specific parasite. You know, there's no like clue in the history like on house where he goes... Ah, 
Why didn't you tell me, you idiot, that you went to wherever? She has a collection of stamps. (laughs) Right. That's often the clue is the stamp collection. I'm not saying it's like an example, right? Like it's not a wild thing to think like she's been licking poison stamps from the 40s, you know? The other day on House, the clue is that his uncle had nosebleeds. So go figure. It could be anything. It could be anything. Um, so anyway, she had been, so she, uh, she has these eosinophils. They're thinking like, eh, maybe it is a parasite. So they work her up for a common thing, a, a more common parasite, strongyloides, which can cause this sort of constellation of symptoms. And they don't find evidence of that. Um, so they can't find the parasite, you know, they're only, we can only test for things that we know can infect humans. So you imagine there's a big problem here. If this worm has never really infected humans, you wouldn't. We don't have a test for it. Yeah. You wouldn't test for it, yeah. right? Right. It's new. Same issue we had in the beginnings of the COVID days, right? It was new. So workup was negative. So they kind of treated her for like what they called idiopathic eosinophilic pneumonia. We know you have a pneumonia, an in- infection of your lungs. We know that your eosinophils are high. Idiopathic means we don't we don't know why we didn't. We didn't crack this one. It's <laughs> good that you have a word for it. Yeah, we have a word, idiopathic. When your doctor says that, that's our way of saying, I don't know why. And some things we still don't know. There are, there are many things that are idiopathic, not because like we didn't do due diligence, it's we still haven't figured them out. Um, so they gave her steroids and she did get a little better with that. Um, and so, you know, for a while, like she leaves the hospital, things are getting a little better. And sometimes this happens in medicine. Somebody comes in, they're sick. You'd never really quite figure out why, but you find a treatment that's working and they get better and you kind of go, well, I'm glad they got better. I wish we had figured it out. And then you got to move on. But three weeks later, she's back because she's sick again. Um, they do some more imaging of her body. They look at other parts and they see that she's got these areas on her liver and her spleen and then these places in her lungs are back again. Mm-hmm. So there's all this stuff going on, this inflammation or infection or something, and they still don't know why. They start looking for other parasites because, again, they've been pointed in this direction. The workup keeps coming back negative. They start looking for autoimmune stuff to see if that might be what's going on. They uh, treat her for strongyloides. Just maybe. Strongyloides is a bad name. I don't think that one's very good. You guys Why? should try again. Strongyloides? I don't know. Like I didn't name it Somebody that. said that and they're like, yeah, perfect. <laughs> right? Do you know I empirically treated somebody for strongyloides once? What does that mean? I, uh, I couldn't find proof that they had it, but I had a very high clinical suspicion based on many factors. And I treated them and they got better. There you go, folks. There's a there's a story for you. There it is. Yeah, and they did get better, but I couldn't. I will tell you that sometimes it is hard to diagnose this stuff um, in places where you don't see it as much because I was trained in how to perform a stool, ova, and parasite test. A stool mm-hmm. O and P is how we abbreviate that. And what that means is we take a sample of your stool and we look for ova oh, okay. and parasites, okay. eggs and little bugs. Makes sense. Um. I have been trained in how to do this because of some of my tropical medicine training. It's very difficult um, because you could miss it, right? And so we usually repeat this test multiple times, but it's also difficult if you haven't really seen them a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, We had a case of malaria one time here in Huntington. Yeah. uh, And I was called in to look at the slide because I had seen malaria on a slide. And if you haven't, 
I mean, you can look at a textbook all you want, but until you've seen it in real life, sometimes it's hard to know, to trust yourself that this is what you're looking at. So sometimes this stuff is hard to diagnose if you mm-hmm. don't see it a lot. And rare stuff, by definition, you don't see a lot. So anyway, they treated her for that, even though she was negative. The, they continued steroids. Um, but as they would try over the course of the year to wean her off steroids, because she would get better with the steroids, every time they would try to wean her back off of them, she would she would kind of relapse in these mm-hmm. respiratory symptoms, right? She would get sick again. So she was actually started on some other sort of immune system modulating things, like let's just decrease her general inflammation. Maybe there is some sort of autoimmune condition. So they were treating her in ways that suppressed her immune system to okay. try to fix this problem. But no diagnosis had ever really been settled on. And that is when things got really weird. It had all been this like- This seems weird so This weird sort of pneumonia kind of thing that just she couldn't get off the steroids. And it was really that. And then it shifted. And that would give us the key to what it was. Which was? Well, I'm going to tell you after we go to the billing department. Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed, but we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door, and not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got, like, fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From, from, from a, a box? Pre-prepared, all I got two minutes, I'm eating filet mignon. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support 
and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. If you need a laugh and you're on the go, try S-T-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I. Hmm. Are you trying to put the name of the podcast there? Yeah, I'm trying to spell it, but it's tricky. Let me give it a try. Okay. If you need a laugh and you're on the go, call S-T-O-P-P-P-A-D-I. It'll never fit. No, it will. Let me try. If you need a laugh and you're on the go, try S-T-O-P-P-P-D-C-O-O. Oh, we are so close. Stop podcasting yourself. A podcast from MaximumFun.org. If you need a laugh and you're on the go. I'm Ify Wadiway, the host of Maximum Film. I'm Alonzo Duralde, also the host of Maximum Film. And I'm Drea Clark, yet another host of Maximum Film. Every week, we host Huddle Up. Usually with an illustrious guest. And we talk about films. We have film news. We have film quizzes. We answer your film questions. It's like the maximum amount of film talk. That's why we call it Maximum Maximum Film. Film! Maximum Film, the movie podcast that's not just a bunch of straight white guys. New episodes weekly on MaximumFun.org. Okay, so what was the weird, what was the, the, you said it was about to get weird. So this is, this is so much like a house case. Sometimes on house, house will intentionally let things get worse because whatever direction they get worse in clues him in as to what's going on. I will tell you that in medicine, we don't do that. We would never intentionally let someone get worse. But if you Cuddy's always like, please don't. Please don't let the patient get worse. Please don't let the patient get worse. It's a hospital. You don't ever do that intentionally, but sometimes, despite your best efforts, a patient declines because you haven't solved it, right? No, no. I mean, I, no, no one was allowing this to happen. It's they hadn't figured it out. Wink. There is no wink. Okay. Okay. So in 2022 now, so this has been going on. Since January of 2021. We're in 2022, and the patient starts getting forgetfulness and some depression. Ooh. So now we have some, like, what we would call some neuropsychiatric symptoms. Okay. Which we hadn't had previously. It was stomach, then lungs. Now it's affecting the way the brain works. The patient is still being treated with these immunosuppressant medications and the steroids, um, but they're still seeing, like, other markers in the blood work that show some some sort of inflammation is going on, okay? So they do an MRI of the brain. Okay. And what they see is in the right frontal lobe, the right front part of the brain, they see this, what we would call, like, a ring-enhancing lesion. So we see this big lit-up area. Enhancing? Yeah, it looks like a ring, huh. and it enhances, it brightens. So we see this big area... In the right frontal lobe, they don't know what it is, so they did an open biopsy in June of that year. Okay. And you probably, if you have heard of this case, you may have seen pictures of this already shared on the internet. I have not. Um, because when they did the open biopsy, what they found was a string-like structure. And as they pulled this string-like structure out of out of this patient's brain... Uh, 
they realized that it was alive and moving. Oh, no. That's the worst possible thing that for, for you to say. So it was 80 millimeters long, Ooh. one millimeter in diameter. Oh, man. It was a worm. It's a worm. It was a worm. Um, that again, one's a worm. And you can look at you can look at pictures of the worm if you'd like. Again, these these I accompanied, would actually, thank these you. accompanied I would, the article. I would not like. Thank you. Uh, and uh, the worm was found. So they had to then do some like analysis of like what the heck is the worm? Because there are, a lot of these worms can look very similar, and their you know their features, their distinguishing features are small. So you have to like look at it and you have to analyze it. So they did tests to figure out what it was, and they found it to be this carpet python parasite, mm-hmm. which previously had not been known to infect humans. Mm-hmm. So. That's why they hadn't figured it out. All right. That's so um, weird. She was treated with um, some medicines we use for parasitic infections, albendazole and ivermectin, which is not for COVID still, but it is for certain parasitic infections, <laughs> uh, and uh, slowly weaned off of another steroid, dexamethasone, over time because that's that has been shown to be helpful in treating these sort of advanced parasitic infections. And anyway— got better. Uh, I believe at the end of the article, they mentioned that some of the neurological symptoms have not completely resolved. Um, It's hard. You know, whenever some structures are damaged, they heal better than others Hmm. in our bodies. Some things are a little more resilient. Some things, once you kind of damage those cells, they don't really grow back per se. Our brain's great at forming new pathways, but it doesn't necessarily like, like a, a brain cell that has been permanently damaged. It doesn't you know what I mean? It doesn't heal itself. Okay. But our brains are good at forming new pathways over time. So not all of the symptoms have resolved, but certainly the— They make new pathways sometimes, right? If there's, mm-hmm. like, damage to one area, sometimes they'll figure out ways yeah. around it. Mm-hmm. Like detours. Are, yeah, they find, out, they find detours around it. There are a lot of—we um, do the same with blood vessels. If a blood vessel is damaged enough, you'll form collaterals, the, all these new little pathways around it to, like, bypasses. Wild. I know. Our bodies are fascinating and great. And gross sometimes, but that's a good thing. Do you ever think about, I know evolution doesn't exactly work like this, but do you ever think about like stuff in the brain that we had to take generations or stuff in anywhere in the body that we had to take generations to like figure out generations of generations of generations? Like at first the brain just didn't do that and it didn't work out. (laughs) Then they're like, we got to try something different evolution. This is not working. We got to come up with this. We got to come up with a system. (laughs) Think about until we got fingernails, man. Times are tough. Times are tough. Yeah. And one guy is just like, check these out. And everybody's like, oh man, I got a mate with him. I bet we had fingernails. Look at his finger armor. Yeah. Amazing. It is amazing. Amazing. It is amazing. Well, and I think that how we gain the knowledge about not just like how our how we evolved, but like the, our evolution of our knowledge of the structure and function of the human body is really important to understand and appreciate. And it allows us to stand in defiance of God, which is nice. Well, I was going to say it helps keep us humble. <laughs> oh boy! See, I think it's the opposite. We see it, we we learned so much that we're able to evolve faster than evolution, right? So we're augmenting ourselves digitally. Uh-huh. speeding up the process and standing in defiance of God and nature. But this is a bad thing because then AI is trying to take, I mean, your job, not mine. Everything's so. a balance. They're taking your job. They got right, They got uh, these things reading like uh, MRIs and stuff like that. Like, that's true. I'm not a radiologist though. I know. I'm just but saying. But they don't have a heart. That's and true. that's what I use in medicine more than my brain. Do, <laughs> have people gotten artificial hearts 
Yeah, no, I okay, mean, so AI doesn't ro- have but a there's heart. A, but there's robot hearts. I, no, well, I mean, there are parts of hearts that are robot Arti- hearts. There's artificial hearts? Heart parts. Heart parts that are Like robot. mechanical valves? Is robot that what you're heart, getting there's at? There's robot like heart parts. Synthetic. There's robot heart parts. Yes. Okay, so robots have hearts. Okay, anyway. <laughs> um, I'm just saying that I Are you I saying think- the comedy robots would have heart, by the way? The comedy podcast robots that are coming from my job, you think that they was- do have heart? <laughs> no. You said they don't. I was talking about as a family doctor, I use my heart more than my brain. You said the robots well, are Well, co- I would say it's equal measure. You were saying actually. the robots are coming from my job yeah. and not yours. I meant because you're in the union. <laughs> this is true. This is my. This is true. Us in the union are standing in opposition to Skynet that, and its re- ability that's all to I recreate meant. our I meant that I'm, I'm, I meant that this is my part-time job. My main job is the doctor thing I do. I'm with you. I'm with you. That's yes. my primary <laughs> calling. I have such a good time making this show. With you. I'm sorry to derail you so much, Sid. I just like talking. All to you I so. was saying is that, I, and I think this case actually illustrates this point. Okay. When we learn about how our understanding of the human body evolved, I hope that it makes us humble, because for so many years there were things that we didn't understand that mm-hmm. now we just take for granted. Right? Mm-hmm. There are certain facts about the human body that yes. we were completely, you know, that eluded us for thousands of years and now we know them and we take for granted that we know them and we don't think about how hard won that information is. And if you think about it, it keeps you humble in the face of new stuff. And you remember that there's so much we still don't know and that new things can happen and our understanding of something can evolve and change and shift over time. Can I ask you can I ask you a question about that? Again, I don't I don't I know there's lots of other stuff. Uh, to talk about in this episode. But There's not a lot. I just want to give you some context for worms in your brain. Do you, For you personally, this is just for you personally. I'm not asking you to speak for doctors writ large. But for you personally, where you are doing this show that is so much about people like imagining new diseases that do not exist, imagining new treatments that do not exist, how do you balance, like, you have to be somewhat sure-footed in your principles and your knowledge because uh, there's these people that are just making crap up, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, th- the information does evolve. So how do you balance that for for yourself? Um, uh, I mean, gosh, I, I, I feel like I talk about this a lot. How do you keep an open mind but also be skeptical about pseudoscience. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. I mean, I think it's, it has to do with how information is obtained more than what the information is. Mm. There is stuff that is true that sounds even weirder than the stuff that's fake. Alpha gal. Yes. We just talked about it. We just talked about it. Right. And we said this in the episode like that. If you say that your instinct is that can't be true. Um, But it is. And so you can't focus so much on the fact or Mm -hmm figuring out if it is a fact, I guess, the fact or the myth, as to how that information was obtained. I think really understanding the history of science and medicine gives you a deep appreciation for the scientific method itself. How did we get that information? What was the human quest for truth Mm -hmm. about that? And how did you go about it? Because if you went about it by saying, well, I've noticed that that's true a lot, so it must be true, that's, that's not that's not how we obtain facts. There's lots of reasons we would notice something that is fake. But if you went through a rigorous process 
of understanding it, then that piece of information has a lot more validity to me. Mm -hmm. Then that's a fact to me. With the understanding that if we did those tests a thousand more times in a thousand different ways in different populations of people in different places at different times, maybe our answer would change just a little. Mm -hmm. And maybe we would see it a little differently because our tests are can only, you know, I mean, the power of the study you're doing can only tell you so much, right? Mm -hmm. You only tested so many people. It's like with a new medicine. You give that medicine to so many people to make sure that it's safe and effective. But then when you start giving it to the entire population, you're yep. going to see stuff you didn't predict because yep. you can't test everything and everyone. So you do the best you can. You understand what that science tells you and where the limitations of that are. And you keep an open mind that it might change. But when somebody tells you this is true because we've done it since ancient times, you have to know that's not scientifically rigorous. That's not a basis for anything. It's like how everybody agrees Shawshank Redemption kicks butt. And then you're, <laughs> there you meet one person. And when you release it to the whole world and everybody watches it, you will find people that you married that think that it's – that don't really enjoy Shawshank Redemption. But it's like it doesn't make it a bad movie. You're going to get so, – so much hate is going to be directed at me for not enjoying Shawshank Redemption now. No, you realize I'm, that I would never. I would never. <laughs> if anybody does, I'm. I'll beat them up. How's that? It's just not my. I don't know. We all have our own. I, I, the Princess Bride is my favorite get movie. Busy I feel like get busy dying. I Nothing? feel like that. I feel like that informs a lot of my movie preferences. Anyway, this isn't the only worm that can do this. We're familiar with this syndrome. The idea that like you somehow accidentally ingest a worm. And then it does something in your body that it, because it's not supposed to be there. Like it doesn't want to be there either, by the way. Yeah. Like it has no interest in being in your human body. I think that it probably has no interest, period, right? <laughs> it's a worm. Right. I mean, that's a big, I don't know. I do. <laughs> it's easy, right? Uh, Dogs, some, cats, there is less, a, fish, none. Like <laughs> There is a raccoon roundworm that we know causes this syndrome that you may be a little, well, you're probably... Those of us in healthcare may be more familiar with. Justin, you're probably not familiar with the raccoon roundworm that we all know about, right? No. No. The uh, Bayless Ascaris. Does it have uh, cute little eye, like the little eyes and little fingers? Uh, I mean, the raccoon is. This is still just a worm. Oh, it's a worm in the raccoon. Yeah, it's the raccoon. Like I said, a lot of different animals have their own special roundworm. This is the roundworm that raccoons have. Um, is this one. Yeah. And uh, it... and. This is one we come in contact with, I would say more because um, urban environments, like places where people are, are good for raccoons because you've got like food in the form of, you know, trash cans and dumpsters and stuff. So if you have a place with a large concentration of humans, you have a large concentration of like their trash outside, and then that's great for raccoons. Same with rats. Rats are an indicator of human cohabitation, like we mm -hmm. move together. Because we also scare off a lot of the predators for these animals. That's the other reason that we are advantageous. Raccoons chill with us because the things that eat raccoons don't usually chill with us. We kind of drive them out, right? So anyway, raccoons Except tend for to Alberta. have- Right. They don't have rats. Alberta, don't, don't have, they don't allow they rats. They don't let rats be there. Yes. Sorry, Alberta. Keep I, your emails to yourself, Alberta. I know that you're <laughs> Holding it down I'm for assuming, me up there in that paradise, that rat-free paradise. Now, I, here's a question. I'm assuming you have raccoons hmm? in Alberta. I don't know. They're, those are kind of like big rats, but. Now, if the eggs from any of these roundworms get into our bodies, 
then they hatch and then the worms just sort of move around. So this is, we know that this with the raccoon roundworm, we have cases in medical literature of this happening in different places. Um, And a lot of this, I'm focusing on the United States, of course, other parts of the world where there are raccoons, this is certainly happening too. This is also true for, there's something called Toxicara canis and Toxicara cat eye, Hmm. cat eye, C-A-T-I. I bet you could guess canis and cat eye. Dog cat. Yeah, there you go. See? These are roundworms that infect dogs and cats. And again, if you come in contact with the eggs from these roundworms, and what happens- Why do they use cat eye and not something with this feline derived? I don't know. It's weird. Um, and we are all, like I said, the worms don't want to be in us. We are peritonic hosts for, for this worm. And what a peritonic host is, is any kind of animal, in this case, the human, that a parasite can infect in, in the sense that it can get inside our body- but it can't actually develop and mature and reproduce inside our body. Um, So you're not going to get this ongoing production of these worms. What is happening in these cases is the animal, whether it's a raccoon or a python or a cat or a dog, has the worm in it, and the worm lays eggs inside it, right? So when the cat or the dog or whatever poops, there's eggs in the poop. Somehow those eggs get from that poop into our mouths. Don't, Don't think on it. And we swallow them, they hatch in our GI tract, and then we have these worms. But it's just those. There's not going to be more. They're not going to make more worms inside you. There are other parasites that do that. Not in this case. Not when we're a peritonic host for something. So basically what happens is these larvae, once the eggs hatch, start migrating through the body, wherever they are, whatever system they're in, and they can cause harm just by their presence, like the physical space they're taking, and also by our body trying to like attack and rid ourselves of them causes Mm -hmm. inflammation at all of these sites. So, and depending on where they are, you get a different name. So neural larva migrans is in the nervous system, the brain, whatever. Cutaneous larva migrans means you can, and you can actually see some of those under the skin. You can see like little curly Q pathways of it right under the skin. Um, Ocular larva migrans, it's in the eye. Mm-hmm. As you can imagine, you would notice that if you see a worm squiggling through your eye, especially if like you are seeing it. Um, and visceral lar- larva migrans, which means it's somewhere in an internal organ. And obviously, depending on where it is, it can make it more dangerous. Something that's just squirming around under your skin is not going to be as fatal as something that's like in your heart or your brain. Okay. Right. Um, we have known about the fact that there are different worms in animals since the 1700s, but it really wasn't until the 1900s that we started to understand what they could do to humans. And you have to imagine a lot of this has to do with how much interaction we're having with animals. Mm. As the human population became denser and we had more interactions with animals, then you're more likely to accidentally become a host to the worms that infect these animals. Um, We didn't have great diagnostics or imaging to figure out a lot of this back then. You couldn't easily cut someone's brain open and look for a worm. You can imagine in the year 1900, you wouldn't want to do that. Um, We have cases of the ocular one dating back to like the 1940s, probably because you could see it. You can't see someone's brain, but you can see a worm in their eye. Mm -hmm. It was 1984 that we have the first in the U.S. recorded case of a worm in the brain. Hmm. Um, so, it, it, I mean, this is all very recent, our understanding, even if it's probably been happening and nobody could figure out. Like, people got sick just like this case illustrated and nobody could figure out why for a very long time mm-hmm. before we were able to start diagnosing these things. Um, in this case, in case you're curious, how did this patient come in contact with carpet python poop? I am. 
because I would like she to avoid reported this. she reported no interaction with snakes themselves. Like she was not around carpet pythons. Uh, what they figured out, their theory, I mean, they couldn't prove this, but this is what they think must have happened. She foraged often for food. And there is a kind of green, warrigal greens that were, um, that she used for cooking and they, they were around her house. And if a carpet python had pooped in that area and then she gathered those greens and then didn't wash them and then ate them, then she may have inadvertently consumed the eggs. Gotta wash your foraged greens. Gotta wash your foraged greens. Yeah, well, it's a good, it's a good reminder that, um... If you are going to forage for food, first of all, know what you're foraging for. Yeah. Like, don't just eat everything you find out there. That's a general rule. Yeah, because there are, there are plants that are your friends and will, you know, provide you with nutrients. And then there are plants that are poisonous. So if you're going to forage, know what you're doing. Um, and then wash what you find. Yeah. Because there are animals out there that poop outside, of course. Like, that's where we want them to poop, right? Not for in our sure. houses. For you sure. want the raccoons to poop outside. For sure. But if they've pooped there, even if you don't see the poop, those microscopic eggs from those worms could be there. And if you ingest them, then you can end up in this situation. This is also why we see a lot of this happening in kids, some of these infections, because kids eat dirt and kids eat sand. And I used to think that wasn't that big a deal before I learned about all this stuff in medicine. (laughs) Like, who cares if your kid eats a little dirt? What's the big deal? Well, if a carpet python pooped in that dirt recently... Or a cat or a dog, which you may come in contact with. But although, of course, you can deworm cats and dogs, right? Like there are ways to treat cats and dogs, but you're not probably deworming all the raccoons in your community. Um, So don't eat dirt. Don't eat sand. You know, I know how hard it is to keep your kid from eating stuff they're not supposed to. Trust me. We're parents too. But um, And wash things you forage um, are good messages to take home from this case. And thank goodness this patient... This is a this is a happy story, right? Because they figured it out. They cracked Yay. the case. They got out the worm. They treated the patient. The patient got better. Everybody happy wins. Case. Yes. Everybody wins. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Thanks to the taxpayers for the use of their song medicines as the intro and outro of our uh, program. Hey, uh, you want to see Sawbones live? You can October thirteenth in New York City Comic Con. That used to be a show that you had to have a badge. To get into, now you can just like buy tickets, no problem. Head on over to bit.ly forward slash McElroy Tours to um, come check us totally out. Uh, that is going to do it for this week. Until next time, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.